0: This podcast is about your future. What if the next years of your life can be the best years of your life? When full-time work becomes optional, you'll have the time to do all the things you've always wanted to do. If only you had the time, and soon you will. But to make the most of it, you'll need to be well-prepared, and that goes well beyond your financial planning. Each week, your host, Joe Casey, is inviting you into conversations with his guests to bring you insights Inspiration and practical ideas to design your new life, a life you'll build around what matters most to you and on your own terms. Let's get started.
1: While this podcast, as you know, is about the non financial side of retirement, make no mistake, the financial side is very important. So from time to time, I like to bring on different financial professionals to cover their perspective and share it with you. I like to invite on CFPs and other financial professionals who get both sides of the retirement equation. And the topic today is retirement planning in the year ahead, 2023. Certainly been a challenging environment, volatile markets, high inflation, lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. So what are some of the things you should be thinking about in the year ahead? My guest today is Joe Alaria. He's a partner and wealth advisor with Carson Alaria Wealth Management. He's a CFP and an MBA. And one thing that jumped out to me about his background is that he played Division One college football and was named a first-team ESPN Academic All-American. Joe, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you, Joe, for having me.
1: This might be our first two Joe podcast. <laughs> it's your podcast. I think about that.
2: That's how you know it's going to be a good one, right?
1: There you go. Never too <laughs> much Joe, as, as the saying goes. <laughs> so, for listeners who are planning for retirement what should be on their checklist for the new year that they might not be thinking about yet?
2: that's a good question. Every year, we always ask ourselves about our new year's resolutions and, and things we should be getting in line and getting in order. But something that folks may not have been thinking about lately, or maybe even for the last 10 years, are those cash accounts, those checking accounts, those savings accounts. Joe, since the time I got into the business, putting money in CDs or money markets or savings or burying it in the backyard all pretty much amounted to the same thing, which is basically no interest. But that's really not the case anymore. And so you, know, you could go out and shop CDs and find some, what I view as fairly attractive rates. So this is for the folks out there that maybe are a little bit more conservative and really don't want to throw the money in the market right now. And I can understand why, but Again, if you haven't considered CDs, that would be one one major thing to to think about. Some of us can remember back to when rates were much higher, but I only bring that up first because it's probably something we're not thinking of. But you know, the other things like for the new year or for the next 30 years, get a plan in place. You know, if you haven't done it, I know a lot of people procrastinate. It's like working out or starting a healthy diet or going to the dentist or going to the doctor. We all have things we don't like doing. But just getting a plan in place for retirement, if you haven't done it, or maybe you did it and it's outdated, just getting that in order, getting organized. I was talking to a close family friend recently, and you know, he handles all of his financial things. And and I said, you know, we really ought to get together because I'm thinking of his wife. If something happens to you, you know where, where everything is. But what about her? And then she's going to come to me and ask me for my help. And then I'm not going to know where anything is. So I said, if anything, let's just take an inventory and you can keep doing your own thing, but someone should know what's going on. And so for those that don't want to hire an advisor because they handle it themselves, no problem, but you should have your own succession plan, so to speak, Joe, you know, when that's what the experts so-called experts tell us as advisors, we should have a succession plan. If we get hit by the proverbial bus, our clients need to be taken care of. And you DIY investors out there need to view that the same way. So this same goes into get your estate documents in order, You know, make sure your wills, your powers of attorney, your trusts are in order. I have a plan for long-term care. If you go into a long-term care facility and you can't manage your, your finances or, or your spouse goes in, it's very expensive just got to think about all those potential things that could happen, especially if you're trying to manage all this yourself.
1: Great points. And last time I looked, there are a lot of buses out there. So got-
2: <laughs> yeah, there's getting more and more all the time. And we use that one for some reason. We always use that example, but but it is important. Like I said, have a backup plan. And I don't think a lot of folks out there really think about that. And if you're working with an advisor, Joe, I mean, that's the good question I would ask your advisor. Yeah, that's Usually why it comes up, we're we're trying to sell or to share about our succession plan, which we feel is so important. But whoever you work with, you do it yourself, whatever the case may be, you want to get a plan for all the contingencies so that if something happens, you're not going to get completely derailed.
1: That's a good point about the turning of the year to be a catalyst for looking at some of these things, doing some things that maybe we put off or don't like to do. Right. What do's and don'ts do you have in mind that people should keep in mind at this time of year?
2: Well, this time of year, there's there's a lot of do's really end of the year, beginning of the year, either one. There are things that you can do from a tax standpoint. There's charitable giving strategies that people are looking into. But I like to keep it very simple. And when I think about things that are most important, it all starts at that plan. And really, I'm gonna go a little bit off script here, Joe, and say the most important do is to think about your retirement and think about your, what you want the rest of your retirement to be like and figure out a plan for that. And we do need a financial plan. Um, I just shared how important all that stuff was, but now I'm I'm talking about creating a non-financial plan as well and figure out what's the most meaningful, what matters to you for your retirement. There's always strategies time the year Joe, there's strategies that people can be taking advantage of. and we look at those first quarter of every year we're looking at tax strategies that we could still do for the previous tax year, right? I mean so not to be overly general or, or divert too much from your question, but that's probably more important than these strategies that come and go every year, which of course, making contributions to retirement accounts to health savings accounts, charitable contributions, doing it in, in unique ways like donating appreciated shares or, or if you're 72 or older doing qualified charitable distributions, so many things out there and strategies. Uh, I actually had an episode of my podcast that I just did that was talking about these things and year are in strategies to take advantage of.
1: Along those lines, when you look at your clients, what do the happiest retirees do that those who are less happier didn't do or didn't do as well?
2: I think the happiest people, there's there's certainly a few things that they have in common. I think the first one is they're engaged with something and it doesn't have to be the same thing. Some people work part-time and really enjoy what they're doing and they like being relied upon by their employer, but they also like not having to work full-time. So they, they make money, they go into the office a couple of days a week or whatever it may be. And that really helps their sense of purpose and gets them out of bed and gives them a reason to get up in the morning. Some people volunteer. And so they're very passionate about the causes that they volunteer for. Some people do a lot of babysitting and watching grandkids and and that's their thing. So you have to be engaged with something. And I actually really caution retirees about retiring before you know what you're going to retire to some folks I've talked to they don't even like using the word retirement because it has this sort of negative connotation that I'm I've got to wind down and it's all downhill from here but just because we stop working doing what we've done for the past 30 years doesn't mean you have to slow down there's still a lot of time to get stuff done but that's number 1 and I think the second thing that the happiest people do is they do not listen to the news watch the news they don't open their stock app every day. They don't pay attention to the media, the financial media at least. They don't look at their accounts every day, the financial accounts when the stocks are going up and down. Of course, our clients have hired us. So the a lot of the retirees I'm talking to have hired us. And the happier ones, they say, "You know what? I haven't looked at it. I know you guys are monitoring and taking care of things, and I haven't really looked at it." And I can tell when they walk in, they don't have to say a word. I can tell when they walk in the level of peace and comfort that they have if they've been paying attention. Because I know what's going on in the market, especially in 2022, we've we've seen a ton of things happen, volatile markets. And when clients came in in 2022, I could tell within the first two minutes if they had been paying attention to what's been going on or not.
1: So I know you're a big fan of the financial media. Uh,
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's sort of my unofficial claim to fame here is, yeah, I like to pick on them a little bit.
1: But it's a good point. What do people dedicate their attention to in these right. in these phases of life?
2: If I could just jump in real quick on that too. The reason that I pick on the media is because there's always a crisis. And what I mean is it doesn't matter what's going on. There will always be something that the media is going to pick and really blow it up to be bigger than it actually is. Because that makes people like you and me and everyone else click When we do open that stock app on our smartphones or open up Yahoo, it makes us click when we see things that are fear-based. And I always share with clients, when's the last time you saw an article that said, breaking news, the S&P 500 has been up over 170% over the last 10 years. Well, we haven't seen that. It changes day by day, but if you look back and you actually measure that cumulatively, Then we've seen that this year. And I've been able to show that to clients on my stock app and say, when's the last article you saw that said that? They don't, because that's just going to make us say, oh, wow. And and put that phone back down and and go back to what we're doing. And that doesn't pay the media company. So I'm the anti-media from the things that we try to educate about, because what we are sharing doesn't sell. What they're sharing does sell. But what we are sharing is going to help people live a better retirement in terms of their mental health and their emotional health and their psychological health. And what the media is sharing is going to do the opposite. And they're not, and by the way, they're incentivized to do that. We're incentivized to get better outcomes.
1: That's a good point. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people make in retirement planning? and How can they be
2: avoided? One thing that I talk about, it it goes back a little bit to investing, but people don't understand the cook time of their money. And I'm going to use an analogy here. And because uh, I share this with clients, we talk about having a bucketing strategy for allocation. And I say that each bucket, there's short-term, there's midterm, there's long-term, all investment types fit into one of those buckets. And they're, they're really designed for one of those buckets. And each investment type has a cook time, just like a recipe. You know, we all know we go bake a cake. It takes 30 minutes it needs 30 minutes to stay in that oven. Otherwise, it's not going to come out and taste very good. And that is common knowledge. But when we look at our investment portfolios and we know that, okay, we've heard at least stocks are focused on the long-term, they're long-term investments. But then what people do is they they start looking at stocks over short-term time periods. And that's kind of like putting that cake in the oven. You know it takes 30 minutes, but five minutes goes by and you start smelling it and you're really hungry. So you go into the oven and you pull out that cake and you say, you know what, I'm going to take a bite. And you take a bite of that cake and it's terrible. And it's nothing like what you expected it to be. Well, that's because you didn't give it enough time to cook. And when I share that analogy, as I do it, Joe, it's funny because the, the people in the room, I could see they, they start to like nod their head and roll their eyes. Of course, I'm not going to take a cake out of the oven after five minutes, but but that's exactly what people do with stocks is they take long-term investments. They put them in a short-term bucket. They start evaluating them and analyzing them because they're, they're not seeing the outcomes that they want to see. Well, they're not built for that, in my opinion, at least. You know, Anything that, that you buy that you have to put together and assemble you know, or any recipes and say, for best results, do this. And for stocks, for best results, we would say, think of them as 10 plus year investments, where if we're going to invest in it, it's for money that's going to be needed down the road. And so as a long way of saying the biggest mistakes that people make is not understanding that, okay, I need some money now. I need some more in the midterm and then I still am going to need some for that long-term. So I need to have investments that line up with that. If that makes sense.
1: Appreciate the baking analogy. That's a memorable one. I think of what we can relate to.
2: <laughs> yeah. So- and I, you know, a couple other things that are common that, that I, I don't think it talked enough about taking social security too early and underestimating your longevity, which kind of goes together. People say, Oh, I'm not going to live that long. I, I, cause we run our financial plans to a lot of times you have to put a life expectancy on a financial plan when you're doing a projection. So we'll put, we'll put 95, we'll put hundred on there. A lot of times, unless we know the client is in, in poor health, but I hear it all the time. It's it's very common nowadays. You see people live into ninety five or hundred. So how do we know it's not going to happen? People say, "Oh, I'm never going to live that long," right? And I say, "Well, yeah, you may not. But what if you do? Right? If we if we underestimate your longevity, and we don't have a plan in place, and we plan that you're going to live to eighty five, and you wake up at eighty six, and we say, "Well, sorry, you're out of money. We thought you're only going to live to eighty five. That's not going to work out very well." So you have to have a plan in place and something you can fall back on if you do live longer than you anticipate. At the same time, we don't want to plan on living to 150 years old. So we know that's not going to happen. There's some, there's a fine balance in there. But I, I think people very, very often, they underestimate that. And when they say they're not going to live that long and they'll say, "Well, if I make it that long, just just put a pill over my face or do this. I say, well, hey, we don't offer that service here. So... <laughs>
1: And for the record, I have a 94-year-old podcast guest in two weeks coming up, still going strong. There you go. So it
2: happens. Not, not the average, but there's certainly people living to 95 or 100.
1: Absolutely, increasingly. And so retirement's not for everyone. The recent Federal Reserve study showed that about a third of people who retire end up returning to work at some point within in five years, first five years. For people who are listening considering unretirement, What are some implications they should be thinking about?
2: Well, the first is how old are you? And if you've started taking social security, if you haven't started taking that, one of the mistakes that I've seen is that folks retire or maybe they just keep working, but they want to take social security and they haven't reached their full retirement age yet. And when you do that, you're going to run into something called the earnings test. And what that is, is that's going to cause Social Security would withhold some of your benefits. So let's say you retired, you started collecting Social Security, and then you want to go back to work. In 2022, at least, if you made over $19,560 for every every $2 that you earned above that amount, Social Security was going to withhold $1 of your benefit. And so that's not a tax. And it's really not a penalty. You just don't get the benefit. So it's a penalty in a way. But that would be one thing. In that case, something that someone could still do is file and suspend their benefit. And so that's what this is really for. File and suspend is really built for that. Hey, I retired. I started filing. Well, something changed in my situation. Now I'd like to suspend my benefit so you can still do that.
1: And while some people are coming out of retirement back to work, many other people over the last few years have decided to put off retiring. What are some of the pros and cons that you see of working longer?
2: Well, I guess, I don't know if it's a pro or a con because you're working longer, but you're going to have more money, a better financial situation. and But there's a big caveat to that. And I share this with folks that we talk with all the time. Of course, the longer you work, the better your finances are going to look. But that's not why we do what we do is so that we can just have as much money as we can possibly have on our deathbed, right? And that's not why most people work and save for their entire career. So if you if you work longer, it's always going to be, well, I shouldn't say always, but it's very, very often it's going to be a better financial outcome or better financial projection to just keep working. But the con of that obviously could be more stress, less time to do the things that you want to do. Those are, those are the big ones right there. And so that's what I see. I see people that work longer. Typically they're more stressed or Joe, they really love what they're doing. And they, and it, it becomes a either a situation where they are working part-time, they're extremely happy. So the people that put off retiring, sometimes they put it off because they're working part-time. So they're in this semi-retirement phase. And that is the biggest sweet spot I've seen. It's from a psychological standpoint, emotional standpoint, financial standpoint. Man, if you can find something where you're working a couple days a week, two, three days a week maybe, and you're earning, it could even be a very small amount. It could be 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand, 50 grand a year. But you're doing that, that to me, I've seen the by far the best outcomes. Doesn't mean you have to do it. But it it does I've seen, at least in my experience, it does provide a lot of evidence that it's a good route to go. And for people that really just want to retire and stop doing what they're doing, if you can stop doing that and go do something else, make a little bit money, maybe it's it's even a lot less money. I've seen it be very beneficial, again, financially and emotionally, psychologically, all that stuff. So depends what reason you're still working. And if you're still working though, because you don't have a plan. And the sad thing is, Joe, I've seen where people have come in, they have been stressed, they've been working, let's say they're 67, 68 years old, and they just didn't know they could retire. And we do a financial plan and we know, man, they could have retired five years ago. But that's typically the, the worst outcome is when people have worked longer than they really need to in a job they really don't like.
1: It's a great point about semi-retirement being the sweet spot, particularly if you can find something you really enjoy doing. It really can be the best of both yeah. worlds.
2: Absolutely, and what I—we're an employer. Uh, we have a wealth management firm here that we run, and we have employees. And I tell you what—it's very difficult right now to find employees, to find talent. Costs for people have gone up with inflation, and so it's sometimes I encourage people go present a dream deal to your employer. It would be a dream deal for you, right? And the worst they could say is no. But just go present it. Say, hey, you know what? I'd really like to work two days a week. I'd like to do it remotely from home. You know, I like health insurance. I'll do it for this much money. Of course, I'm I'm not so delusional that uh, I don't think I'll be taking a pay cut. I know I'll have to take a pay cut to make this work, but I'll take this much of a pay cut. What do you think? And just see what see what they say. Some employers.
1: If a bank, dialogue.
2: Absolutely. If they say no, they they say no. But. It would be, it may be easier for the employer to do that than to try to find someone new, train them, get them up to speed. You don't know if that person's going to stick around long or not. And sometimes it's just easier to stick with who you know, and you're going to be much more efficient than anyone else that they could bring in, most likely. Or the company might want to keep you on in a consultative manner. I you mean, know, if you're an upper level executive or someone in a company like that. I'd really like to scale back, but I would like to consult for you guys. Here's how I think that would work best. And boy, it's just something about earning a wage, even when you're retired or semi-retired, that helps out so much psychologically. But you know what? It helps out it, for some. Some people, you might have plenty that you don't need the financial benefits of it. But But for others, a lot of our clients are just, I call them normal retirees, Joe. They're not... They didn't have... Millions and millions and millions of dollars. They just did a very good job saving during their retirement or during their working years. And they've got a million, two million, mostly 401ks, IRAs, and they just don't want to mess that up. Right. So if you're closer to a million and you maybe you're borderline on retiring when you want, getting a job for $40,000, $50,000 a year makes a huge difference, even if it's for three, four, five years.
1: Great points. And the sweet spot really does capture. I think semi-retirement for many people. Yeah. So as a CFP and a wealth manager firm, you have a bird's eye seat looking at different types of retirees and different stories. What are some lessons that you've learned about retirement planning that you can share with our listeners who may not have the same purview that you do?
2: Yeah. Well, I would say that the biggest lesson is that this really should be fun. It should retirement planning should be fun, fulfilling, inspiring it shouldn't be stressful. I mean, these, we only have so much time on the earth, Joe, and there are things that we could stress about, but you control what you can control. You let the rest, just let the chips fall where they may, and you control what you can control, but it should be fun. You should, if you've done a good job saving, then you should be at the point where you can spend much more of your time now doing what matters most to you. You may have enough to even give to causes that you care about. Give to kids, give to grandkids. It really should be fun. should be fulfilling. I use the word fulfillment quite often as that's the goal that we're trying to get people to. There's three levels of retirement. The first one is survival. So many people, even if we show them, it takes them a while to get over that first hump of, can I just survive? And the next level, I'll call it survival plus all right, we survive and yeah, we still take a couple vacations and we get to play a little golf and go fishing and all that. But the third level is complete fulfillment in retirement. And that's where people, it's really just starts with a, a mental exercise of thinking about what really matters to me and where do I really want my money to go? And those are fun conversations when people buy into it. And I'm sure a lot of that, you know, happens in the retirement coaching sphere that I'm on the financial side. I, we do our best to probe, you know, to get people to think about this, but that's honestly not where we're trained, but we do our best to get them thinking. And the ones that latch onto it and buy in, they sometimes invent second careers. They may reinvent their identity in retirement and it's fun and it's fulfilling. And that's what you want.
1: Well said, really appreciate it. And it's great message. This should be fun. So take that approach. Flip the script. Start with fulfillment first, and as you said, look at where do you want your money to go to support that. Joe, thanks for taking the time to share your insights with us. Very very helpful.
2: Absolutely, Joe. Thanks again for having me on.
1: Thank you. So time for takeaways. Because it's the end of the year, heading into the next new year, I'm going to do it a little differently today. It's three things to keep in mind. Number one, what have you been putting off? or need to start doing? This could be some of the things that Joe mentioned that are financial in nature, or it could be something on the non-financial side. What's that one thing that you know you want to do or should do, but haven't? Write it down. Number two, what's your one next action? What's that thing you can do to make it happen? Write that down too. And number three, what's your target date? What deadline can you hold yourself to? One thing, one action, one date. Wishing you all the best in the new year ahead. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast.
0: Just one more thing before you take off. Is it time to design your new life after you graduate from the world of full-time work? Go to retirementwisdom.com and schedule a call today with Joe Casey. Working with an experienced coach like Joe, can help you explore new possibilities and gain clarity on your future. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. See you next week.